Hey everyone, welcome to Talent Savvy from Berlin, Germany, Matthias. Hi everybody, from Berlin, Germany as well, Alexa is here. Hello Alexa, this is really uh, great to have you on the podcast today because it's you uh, just recently we announced as our new co-host, so thanks for having you here and thanks for being my a wing woman, as they say, yeah, um, for the future podcast as well. So really, really happy to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm super happy to be here as well. We've been planning to do this for a couple of uh, months now. But yeah, we've actually put pen to paper and super excited to be your co-host. The topic for today is how do we build great TA teams? And there are a lot of podcasts about this. We also have tackled this in Talent Savvy before, but given the uh, circumstances these days, yeah, and what we have experienced over the last two years, I would argue, it's good to, uh, to talk about this again. What is your experience, Alexa? How do we get started here? Like, what are the first things that you would do when you need to build a TA team from scratch? Well, for myself, usually when I join an organization, you know, what I see is it can anywhere between chaotic or inconsistent. So chaotic meaning hiring is reactive, inconsistent is dependent on an individual uh, case. And my goal is to get it to systematic and ultimately strategic as soon as possible. But before I'm able to do that, to start those steps, what I do is do an audit, you know, look at the structure of the talent acquisition team, look at the placement of the TA team within the broader people function and getting a good understanding in terms of the work. You know, do we have recruiters or talent acquisition partners who are just recruiting? Are they also taking part in employer branding, possibly doing a little bit of coordinating as well and maybe sourcing too? So really looking at how all of that works and taking a stock take of that. The other thing I also do is, especially on the branding side, is looking at the reviews, looking at the glass doors, especially in Germany, we have Kununu over here, as you know. So looking at those reviews as well and really see, okay, where are we standing in the market in terms of our branding too? And then I also look at the company's hiring manager maturity model. Where are they at in terms of their maturity? Are they confident? Is it their first time interviewing? Do they Are they collaborating with the talent acquisition team? Are they getting what they need from the talent acquisition team and ultimately making those great hires? And I think by gathering all of that information, that just gives me a good understanding of what stage am I joining right now? What actions do I need to, to make? Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, it sounds right. I love the hiring maturity model, by the way. And that's always something that I have a closer look in because as we all know, hiring is a team sport, right? It's a shared responsibility. It's not just on the recruitment team. All the other things that you mentioned make made sense to me, but what is about the audit when it comes to numbers, you know, when it comes to hiring demands, when it comes to C-level? What have you done there to audit also of are we a Series A or B startup that wants to, that received just a huge investment and wants to grow further or like, you know, these cases could differ. So from your experience, Alexa, what do you do um, and how do you continue your audit with C-level and growth plans and when you talk to the finance team. Definitely. I mean, finance team, I think that's that's the key word here, is, you know, it's not only about doing the audits and understanding the status quo, but it's also about sharing those findings with the C-suite or the finance lead to make action plans together. What I'm saying here is one of the other things that I do, I look and see how do they go about headcount planning, you know, especially in terms of budgeting, how do they go about that? You know, how do they go about naming the departments? Something as granular as that. The reason that with that it's important for me, especially when I'm leading talent acquisition teams to see how they go about naming 
planning and structuring, you know, their hiring plan is because I want to take that information back and mimic that language within the talent acquisition team as well. What does that mean? So if we take the application tracking system, for example, which is the main tool, really looking at how I'm going to build out the departments there and making sure I'm using the same language with finance as well. So there's no surprises. So any reports that I have, I can share with finance and we're all uh, speaking the same language. But that's basically how I would go about it. It's interesting that you mentioned headcount planning, right? Because I I think headcount planning, uh, you have to a certain extent. Every organization does it differently. But I think what already is an indicator if you just have headcount planning and not workforce planning, right? Workforce planning is then something more strategic where we talk about skills and how skills, uh, what are the skill gaps in the organization? What are the future skills that we need to be successful? In which uh, markets are we operating? rating in and where do we see um, a shift here where is a very competitive market where is a not so competitive market etc etc so i think um, headcount planning is nice but there is a danger here right because it's actually just thinking about roles and you know keep on hiring them but how strategic is this really to understand is this something that also you know creates impact but cool so once you have done the audit and then and you get a better picture are you then used to share the audit with um, the c-suite or with the CHRO or like what happens after this audit is done yeah and and what how long does it take you to actually finish this audit yeah so usually the way I go about them is sprints and the sprints can go anywhere from one week to three weeks and what I do for my initial kind of business review with the C-suite so when I say it's a C-suite this could be the co-founder it could be a CEO it could also be the CPO chief people officer is showing those findings and showing those findings in terms of where are we in terms of our branding Where are we in terms of our talent acquisition team and also in terms of our hiring managers or interviewers? You know, do we invest? Do we need to invest a little bit more in training or interviewing as well? Processes. Is there even a process? If that's missing, that's the first kind of finding that you have, which you can implement. And I think one more thing coming back to the workforce planning that is definitely key. Sometimes when you're you're joining a company, especially if it's early stage startup and the people team has not evolved that much. Maybe that is something that could be delayed, but 100% aligned with you there, that it's definitely important to build out. Now, let's assume you finish your audit and you know what is actually the current situation, what kind of organization you're in, what is their growth plans and what is the maturity within the organization. Then why do we need to do this before then really understanding how my then future talent team uh, looks like? So How do you build this bridge? What is then the next step you do? So I think if you, when you're looking at talent acquisition, what are the key roles or key positions, you know, key steps that we take? So what do we need to do? We need to attract, we need to engage, we need to assess and ultimately hire and onboard. And in order for all of this to happen, we need to make sure that we've got each of these pillars in place. So the first thing, engage, attract, that's your employer branding. If I've done an audit and I can see perhaps my uh, senior recruiter on my team has been doing 50% working with hiring managers filling positions, but also 50% on working on candidate packs or presentations, then that is not the optimal use of this person's time. But that allows me to take that information or add that information within my audit and make a case to have a dedicated employer brand, somebody who's coming from that employer brand marketing background to bring into place as well. 
So let's take a step back. So we, we talked about what's key in terms of talent acquisition. So if you want to kind of structure a team, what do we need? We need a division for employer branding. We need a, a sourcing team, you know, to really tackle or support the team with that top of the funnel or pipelining in a sense. Then you need the talent partners, the talent advisors as well, who are actually doing the filling of the positions, the interacting with the hiring manager. And again, depending on the maturity or stage of the company, you can also look into your coordinators, which will just amplify that candidate experience too. But both of us know that with talent acquisition, all of it's about data and metrics and the best way we can capture that and capture it and making sure that we've got clean data that we can actually pull info on and drive actions is making sure that we've got an analytics team. Now, analytics has got different names. It could be recruitment operations. It could be recruitment analytics. But yeah, making sure that you've got these five pillars in place. Couldn't agree more. That then leads to that question to say, so we really need to hire specialists early on? Because like what I've seen in the, in the uh, community as well is that we really, uh, most of the time when you talk about talent acquisition teams or, or dive into the structure of current talent acquisition teams, you see most of the time recruiters, right? And I think because of this very transactional mindset and this also what kind of value do we create, already setting up a very transactional team is probably the first step where this goes wrong, yeah, in order to create value in town acquisition. So would you, based from your experience, Alexa, then say, look, we need employer branding early on, we need rec ops early on, or is this then something that the leader takes over or at which step is this changing? What is your experience there? I would say, if possible, make sure that you've got everybody in place early on. Why? Because it's a short-term investment for a long-term gain. This is always going, you know, this is going to build out your TA machine. This is going to help you out with your, your branding as well, and ultimately hiring the best candidates. But sometimes that's not possible. You might have budgeting constraints as well. So I would definitely invest in operations, in analytics, And branding as well. So making sure you've got those two key because with regards to sourcing, of course, sourcing is super crucial as well. But is that that is something that potentially could be done early stages, you know, by the recruiter having the right training on that as well. So that makes sense. Now, uh, based on your audit, you come back and say, look, I need employer branding. The organization is convinced that this is maybe something um, that is very important from the beginning. In your experience, how long does it take to build a good employer brand? Is this like a six-month gig or is this something that can be done maybe even from a freelancer? Like, what is your experience there? With employer branding, I think initially, again, depending on what's on the roadmap, you can start small. You can maybe start with a, a specialist, having one person on board. You know, if, if, if it's just a matter of building out, let's say, the careers page or your website, or you want to kind of bring, bring your values to life as well. If you want to go more granular, which hopefully that is, is the end goal, and building out candidate packs, you know, candidate presentations, then of course you would need to build it out more because ultimately you don't want this person to get burnt out like by loading all of this stuff because if they've got too much of a scope, then they're not going to be able to deliver or give you that final polished product that you want. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when people then think about the specialists and what do I need and what pillars do I need in my team, then it's really important that based on the audit, in which stage are we and which seniority do we need for which role? Would you tend to say, Alexa, that it is actually better in the beginning to hire a more senior team? Or, or what have you seen there in terms of what makes the most sense? Because I tend to say that in startups environments, we tend to you know, always go for young, very passionate, very engaged people. 
But is that a success formula or what is your experience there? I mean, that's a luxury, isn't it? When you join an organization, the chances are that there's an existing team. You're inheriting a team. And maybe there are budget constraints, meaning that you're not able to add. But let's say you've inherited a team and you do have budget to kind of build that team out. What I would do in this case is really looking at the skills When I talk about skills, I pair it with diversity. So not in diversity in terms of gender, but diversity in terms of experiences. I really look at the skill set that each individual is bringing. Why? Because, you know, ultimately you want to build out an autonomous, uh, successful, productive team. And for example, if you've got somebody who's amazing at sourcing, that person can start doing sourcing workshops for the broader team and get everybody's level to that stage as well. So I would look at the skills gap and fill those gaps, you know, with the new people that you're bringing on board. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And based on our situation, the environment that we are in right now, like what is it uh, that you see uh, is changing now um, where you would argue, well, everything makes sense. And that probably hasn't changed also before the pandemic. But now with this new environment, do you still see that talent teams have the same size? Or do you see that with the, your concept at the minute and with the environment that we are in, maybe we need to adjust certain things as well here? And when we think about building out talent teams? Definitely. I mean, right now, there's so much uncertainty. And you see that a lot, especially with talent acquisition teams. But Paired with the uncertainties, there's a lot of new technologies that's coming our way as well. Chat GPT, AI um, as a small example. And I think I'm not saying that AI is going to replace the team, but I do believe it will empower the team. I think, you know, in the future, what you're going to see is that the, the sourcers or the recruitment partners are going to be really good at building commands, not just pulling information, but really be able to kind of draft those specific commands to then have better outreach messages, better job descriptions. So that itself might reduce reduce the team. But coming back to what you asked about today, given that there's an uncertainty, I think there's also a hesitation from businesses or companies to actually invest and build out their in-house team. So maybe what you'll see is there may be a skeleton team, a smaller team, but they're, they're supported by an external force, whether it's a RPO, recruitment process outsourcing, or an agency. So I think that's that's what I'm seeing right now, is this hybrid approach, keeping it small until we're out of the uncertainty. So would you argue that this is just happening for the roles that's of a recruiter, or, or do you see something like this happening also for the employer branding manager or the rec ops uh, professional or specialist? What is your take there? Because I, I do get the sense of, you know, we need to have a lean team, but what are the must-haves in terms of skills that you need to have in, in your team and what are the nice-to-haves or things that you can maybe outsource easier than you can in other areas? I think the must-haves are definitely that human interaction. So I would never say like no more recruiters or no more talent team, but the must-have is definitely having that level of seniority within the recruiters. Seniority in terms of how they go about recruiting, how they go about outreach, but also how they go about collaborating with the hiring managers. You know, can they run an interview training if need be? If we've added 15 employees to the team, to the, the company, can we make sure that they're onboarded and able to kind of collaborate with the talent team and growth of the company? Employer branding perhaps could be reduced. It could be if the baseline is already there. I would say don't reduce it too much because that's your brand. That's your, your, your kind of your magnet. But I do see that one getting strong as well. I mean, what have you seen so far? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, I would not compromise on employer branding. Um, and then rec ops depends a little bit how much tooling you already have. Yeah, if you start with your ATS and that's the only technology, 
think a rec ops position doesn't make sense, but if you have automated references, clean experience, you know, hacker rank or credibility of the like, so tech assessment, maybe an interview tech into intelligence tool as well. So if you are really technology heavy, then I think it would definitely make sense to also have that rec ops person in because somebody that actually kind of cares about the productivity of recruiters and to make it seamless for them to deliver their job is really worth it because then you have a foundation and then you probably have a senior recruiter um, that is recruiting. And then I would add, depending on what are the hiring demands, I would either say, look, I can for the future have the senior recruiter become a team lead and then they start, you know, mentoring working students, interns, juniors or have RPOs um, as a setup where we can easily, whenever we need that adjust the, the capacity in that end. This is how I would set it up, but then you cover most of the uh, pillars. And even if rec ops is something that you struggle with, I would rather than say the leader should actually be capable of understanding technology better, gets the data out, can do the analytics. But at one point, maybe that leader also needs to be hands-on in earlier startups versus then be real, real leader and make the team grow. Yeah, that depends a little bit on your leadership style as well. But this is where I would say this is what I could think of. I think I would be really careful with employer branding. Why? Because there are a lot of agencies out there that tell you or sell you that they can do a great employer brand for you. And what I have seen on the market is that we honestly have a huge problem with employer branding because it's a very externally driven kind of employer brand. That means uh, we only focus on getting people in, creating those images. But so many times it's not developed from the inside out. Uh, it's more from the outside in, which means employees don't actually feel like they are connected to your employer brand. Uh, the authenticity is missing. You even sell yourself as a more diverse place than you are, right? And these are like topics that are very, very dangerous and will set you up for failure, I think, if you do it wrong. Um, and that's why I would love to say it really, really makes sense to have that employer brand person early on because building a brand is like a two years, two and a half, three years gig. And it also guides the conversations that you have on how to create impact and value in an organization away from this transactional topic. And uh, with a really good rec ops person and having proper analytics and proper tooling in place, you also get more opportunities to have reports, data, with the C-level to make decisions early on and poor recruiters sometimes that have so much to do with their roles and rec loads and etc. and hiring managers, they cannot do so many projects, right? Because in the end of the day, the rec ops person and the employer branding person should actually be constantly coaching the recruiters and um, the recruiter really needs to own the funnel, own the candidates and really make sure nobody falls through the cracks. And I think this is a little bit how I would set it up. Of course, it's theoretically speaking, late earliest startup that you can think of the basics of that i think the biggest problem here alexa is that when you come in people expect magic from you right alexa is in that means tomorrow i have uh, my 50 roles filled and with this pressure you are actually per default if you just listen to the business you would be pressured to transactional recruitment like everything we are stuck in this world which we actually need to get out of because if the hiring demand slows down, we're actually in this situation that, yeah, what is your value, right? And I think this is something that is that is very important that you don't fall for this as a leader and really say, look, I know we need to deliver. We know we need to create hiring uh, output, 
but here are the risks and here's my plan and here's what I want to do uh, to build something more sustainable. Absolutely. And I think what you're mentioning, it brings us back to the first point is that audit. So you're building that trust by showcasing and being transparent with the audit and not just doing a one-off audit, but making sure that you're always visible. So having quarterly business reviews or monthly business reviews too. Also, I would argue that most of our TA leaders have been approached and have been reached out because they need to scale up, right? We are always those scale up people. Do this fast, and most of the time we are not involved in the conversations, and we are then per default are very reactive. There's a huge backlog of hiring that needs to be done, and this kind of clashes. Uh, this is really the reason why I think you know uh, you need to make a really good case as a TA leader to say yes, we have a scale up approach, but we have also a scale down approach, and this is how I set up that I'm comfortable with a certain in-house team, a number of in-house team where I also say, look, if really hiring completely freezes for a certain period of time, my people can do L&D, company ban, other topics, right, um, that you can leverage their skills on. And uh, in the best case within the people team, in the worst case, it goes outside of it. But then again, I think, you know, talent acquisition is very close to sales. So there are a lot of different initiatives where, you know, you can actually leverage TA people in sales teams because... This is a revenue growth topic, which then also means that if you get the right people in the sales team drive revenue growth, then will help you as a talent team as well, right? And this is, I think, where there are a lot of opportunities if you have that skill mindset, right? And I think most of the times what I've been seeing is people look at past experience, rely way too much on resumes, on LinkedIn profiles, have very opinionated conversations. And so really teaching an organization how to hire skill-based will be a huge differentiator because you kind of put the resume and all other things aside and you really focus on the performance of a candidate in the interview process and, and that's magic. Now, people might ask us, look, 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 you talk about TA teams and how you set them up and this is all nice and it makes sense. Uh, I know what kind of people do I need, but what is the ideal size? Yeah, so how do we figure out how many people do we need? What are we doing there? What have you done, Alexa, there in order to figure out that I, when I come in and I want to build something, I'm already not doing the rookie mistake and, uh, you know, I have a much bigger team that actually will be laid off very much in the future because I just invested or over-invested or didn't do the, the calculations right. So uh, what is a good approach here uh, on your end? When do you do what? How would you come up with an ideal size? What would you recommend here for people? That's a great question. And looking at what we discussed earlier with regards to the pillars or ingredients that go into a talent acquisition team, we're also going to touch on that too. So for 300 hires throughout the year, I would say that you need a team anywhere between 12 to 14. And what does that consist of? That would mean eight, approximately eight talent partners, one rec ops, recruitment operations manager or analytics professional and then you have one focused on employer brand plus the the lead and uh, when you say roughly about what was it eight recruiters right yeah so what kind of seniority level can handle which workload in terms of hires that's another good question too so you're looking at different levels um you know for this exercise we're going to split it down to three so we've got the, our junior recruiters we've got our mid-level recruiters and our senior recruiters as well and the reason that we've got three 
for this example, recruiters, is because we want each of the senior recruiters to be in one of the clusters. Again, this could be one being involved on the commercial side, one on the tech and product side, and another one on the executive side. So yeah, you're looking at uh, three senior recruiters and two mid-level plus two junior level recruiters as well. In terms of what they can generate, you know, on the senior side, it could be anywhere uh, from 50 upwards, on the mid-level 40 upwards, and junior 30. And do you think that in the beginning of the 300 performance hires per year, would you say that the lead is also involved in hiring and would they also take hires or is he is this leader completely out of their scope? I would assume at this stage the leader would be involved as well. They would maybe not have that that much of a volume, but definitely maybe two or three key hires. Yeah. And what is really interesting, though, what in your experience, let's assume we want to build this team. Yeah, we know we want to hire 300 people this year. How much time do we need to actually hire in this uh, circumstance, in this market? So maybe can you give an average time to hire and maybe also a ramp up time for recruiters? I mean, given the market today, your time to hire could be anywhere between 30, maybe 35 days. Definitely keep it in that just because of the um, availability of talent on the market today. And in terms of ramping, it would be, I would say, four weeks. Four weeks. Okay, perfect. And now for everybody that is listening, says, well, 300, you know what, this is something I do every day. That's not really a challenge. What about 600? How is this developing? Like, how many people do we need there? Do we see an increase in recruiters? Or do we also see uh, something else coming up? Uh, what do people need to be aware of as leaders? So at this stage, you're at another uh, stage of scaling or growth, in a sense. So, th so the lead won't be as hands-on as they were. But, it's that, but that's why they need to think about building out that second layer of managers. So in this case, it would change. And the team size of, for talent acquisition would be anywhere between 18 or 20. The only difference this time is that you'll see an increase in team lead. So you'll have two team leads in this scenario and also an increase on the employer brand side, which would go from one to two for this stage of growth as well. And do we see by the seniority levels of the different recruiters, Any increase in performance already at that stage? For the senior recruiters? Yeah, for example, I think you mentioned that the junior recruiter at the 300 hires per year example, you know, hits a 30, 30 hires per year. Um, so would that uh, junior in a 600 hires per year hit 35 hires or 40 even? Or, or, or do you not see an increase in performance there? Again, that depends. That depends on how the company is evolving, how strong the employer brand is, you know, in terms of engagement. Um, and, and also because you're at this stage of growth and you have that tribal knowledge from the historical team that built you, that got you to 300. So you also have different skill sets too. They know, you know, what good looks like for the organization. So they've most probably also just started developing um, talent pipelines or communities as well. So that's why you're going to see an increase in terms of the numbers too. Yeah, definitely. And what does it do to your average time to hire? Let's say the 600 hires is in a year from now, you need to hire. Do you think you will be faster or will it take more time to hire recruiters then? So the market will shift from based on what we're seeing today. So we'll, we'll see an increase. There's not going to be that, that much talent available. So there's definitely going to be an increase from the, uh, on the time to hire side. So from 30 to 60 days. And in terms of the ramp, it would be four to, four to six weeks, anywhere between that. And now let's go really big. Let's say we go for 900. So are we doubling the headcount of the TA team or where does that take us? Yeah. 
Definitely you're increasing the size of the talent team, not necessarily doubling it. So ideally for 900 and at this stage of the company, the team would increase anywhere between 22 as total to 25. You will definitely see an increase on the talent partner side. So we'll take them up from 12 to 17. So you're seeing I've not doubled it. I've just increased it by a couple more uh, headcounts. But what, what we are adding is an additional team lead or manager. So we're increasing it from two to three. The reason that you want to do that is because you've got too many direct reports and you want to make sure that there's adequate time for everybody, for all of the team. Um, but you're also going to be increasing the employer brand because at 900, again, this is all assumptions, you know, with this exercise today, there's most probably a new market that we're going to be entering into. So we also want to be sure that we've got the employer brand dedicated to that market in place as well. So number wise, again, the market has shifted. So, you know, it shifted when we hit the 600, it will continue at 900 as well. So the time to hire would remain around the 60 mark, 60 day mark, sorry. Your onboarding and ramp would remain the same, that four to six weeks. And keep in mind, people, I think what is also very important is the the bigger the department gets, the more you need to spend time in communication that slows you down. And in these examples, I think what is really uh, important here is that we early on start involving like a middle level management, like team leads to have a healthy ratio of directs that they have, because most of the time what we have seen in the past is that uh, leaders have up to 20 recruiters as directs, and that is uh, just a setup for failure. And, um, you know, that's something that um, maybe people need to think about as well. How much are leaders actually capable of really not just managing recruiters, but developing recruiters, right? Growing recruiters, building future leaders out of, um, of those teams. And most of the time, uh, out of those 25 TA team, there are probably five or six high potentials that will, you know, really shape the TA industry in the future if it's done correctly. Alexa, this was wonderful. It were great benchmarks. Thank you so much for your time and to talk this through. And I think, you know, we wanted to be as detailed as possible. That was our aim. And um, thank you again and looking forward for the next podcast. It was very exciting for me to join as well. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.